0: I'd say it's few and far between. The uh, memories from childhood that I sort of can uh, can dredge up, at least at this point, um, of of different products and you know candies or characters or whatever. Because I, I do pretty much focus on this um, most days of my life, just reminiscing back to the seventies, the eighties, and all the stuff that was going on back then. But I did get one the other day—a a memory of chewing a chewing gum that I don't think I don't know when the last time I thought about this was. But I cl- it was a clear, you know, fragment of memory from a, my very young childhood. And um, so what happened was on, on YouTube, someone uh, post not YouTube, on Facebook, someone posted a random image of, um, of a, of a 7-Eleven. And they didn't say when it was, uh, 70s or 80s. And uh, it's kind of a cool image. You saw sort of the candy rack and the people shopping there. And things look very different than they do now. And so I searched the internet for that image, and I found a much better quality copy of that image. And you could see um, this new uh, ice, uh, ice cream flavors uh, on chewing gum. And uh, so I, it's, you still couldn't see the actual brand, but it said like vanilla ice cream flavor. And that really interested me. I'm like, ice cream flavored what? Like candies or, or gum? Let me see if I can find that that image. I do have a link to it here. Yeah, here's the image. It's like a yellow counter and then you see it just says vanilla ice cream flavor. So I I looked that up and then I got the name of the actual product. And this is uh, 7-Eleven and ni- this one uh, groovy history had a better version of the image from 1973. <laughs> so, doing some searching, I found on um, what this 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 Pinterest site, it just it just sort of like why can't I just do an image search? Why does everything go through Pinterest? They're like the middleman of images. But here we go. Adam's Adams ice cream-flavored gum, right? And so they had chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry from the 70s. And it seemed this, that image from uh, 7-Eleven, showing it from 1973, saying it was new, that does seem about right. And so seeing this, it really triggered my memory. I remember we got these. We we must have seen them at the store in 73. I would have been five or six at that point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I would have been. Yes. I would have. Yes. So that's almost almost 50 years ago now. Wow. I would have been five or six and certainly been interested in chewing gums. And this, so these packages, right, there's a, the chocolate one is a brown background, vanilla white, and strawberry has a red background. And there's a clown holding up an ice cream cone with the flavor of ice cream depicted on there. Eight sticks for 10 cents. Wow. Well, that was a lot of money back then, 10 cents. Come on. Let's see how much 10 cents was in 1973. Come on. All right. Well, look at this. I mean, there's, there's uh, since 1973, there's been 571.2% uh, inflation. But that ten cents would be sixty seven cents today. Good luck buying a bang a pack of gum for sixty seven cents. I I don't know how much gum costs, like a little a little pack of what is it what kind of gum I don't really buy I don't know why. I don't really buy gum. I'm not really that into chewing gum. I mean I would I, I used to remember I used to have that green tea chewing gum that I loved? <laughs> a long time ago. I'm sure I reviewed it on the show here back in the early two thousands, but like a little pack of gum, you know, like uh, Wrigley's or, or or juicy fruit was it? No, was it ju- was it juicy fruit gum? The one that that the flavor ran out in like four, ten seconds. Yeah, but anyway, these uh these these gums, I remember. So my memory is that we were we kind of got them at the store and trying them out. I remember trying the different flavors, and they were weird and different the way the flavor worked and it must not have lasted very long but um, it was you know I don't know if that, that gum was out for very long but I remember having maybe the strawberry the chocolate the vanilla and I kind of remember noting the taste how it was a little different than other gums I just thought it was amazing that I actually found something that triggered a memory from my past now I think probably most people don't think about all that kind of stuff that much and they might have this kind of thing more often I don't know I'm so obsessed with all this stuff, you know. Like, because cause chewing gum is part of pop culture. It, it is it is a, it's not really a food. It, I guess it is considered a food product, but you're not supposed to swallow like, it. It's gum, you know. You're supposed to chew it, but it's in it's in the food product category, right? Yeah. And what the hell happened to Adams? Adams chewing gum. Hmm. hmm. Adams gum. They're owned by Cadbury now. Why can't any of these companies like stay their own company? Like, listen, uh, my name is Mister Adams. I make chewing gum. I'm very good at it. Like, why can't he just keep the company and not have to sell it to some other company? Can't you listen? It's if it's on every if it's in every Seven Eleven and Seventy Three. You can't make enough money just to frickin' stay in business. You have to go. You have to sell to someone else. I know there's got to be some reason behind it, but. Uh. <laughs> The American Chickle Company was a chewing gum trust founded by a Thomas Adams, Jr. With Edward Beeman and Jonathan Primmel. Oh, Beeman's, too, right? Yeah. Adams, California Fruit Chewing Gum. Wow. Let's see. company was incorporated in New Jersey. Of course, uh, everything is invented in New Jersey, if you really look into it. In 1899. Wow, the same year as that TV show I talked about last time. Um, let's see. This is very confusing. So it was called American Chickle. So I guess Adam's gum was something they made. um, And they were acquired by the pharmaceutical company Warner Lambert or Lambert in 1962. And then Warner Lambert was acquired by Pfizer in 2000. Wow. And then Cadbury purchased Pfizer's candy brands in 2003. Kraft Foods, now Mondelez International, purchased Cadbury in 2010. Oh, my God. Its best-known pro- product was Chiclets, chewing gum, which was discontinued in the early 2000s. This is just all really depressing. Everything like, How could you not succeed? You know, you're like one of the best-known gums. How do you not succeed? Remember chiclets? But then the miniature chiclets, that was the big, the big thing. It was this little, this little foil bag. And each, you know, normal chiclets were, what, you know, a half-inch across. Just little candy-coated gum, right? But the miniature chiclets were tiny, little, almost like confetti. And you would just pour the whole thing in your mouth. And it felt like you were chewing like a thousand pieces of chewing gum. It was the best when you got mini chiclets that was the best <coughs> yeah that blackjack chewing gum is that I don't know remember they, they, keep, they keep bringing back like blackjack and clove and I think, I think as I mentioned when I was at the mall like isn't that the phrase from um, Twin Peaks that gum you like is gonna come back in style This guy's a madman. He began to experiment with sarsaparilla flavoring for gum. That sounds amazing. I want sarsaparilla gum. All right, let me see if I can find some sarsaparilla chewing gum. Listen, it's the future. It's the future. We should be able to get sarsaparilla chewing gum. Why do they spell that shit sarsaparilla? It's sarsaparilla, damn it. Sarsaparilla. It, 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 it it's it's a uh, the R, S, and a are silent uh sas sapirilla i don't know beeman's no 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 yeah those there's the, there's the retro gums clove beeman's blackjack and tea berry i remember i used to, i used to get tea berry gum there was a diner near our house and they had they had like a rack of tea berry gum we always used to get that Chewing gum memories, you know. Why can't I find any ha- uh, sarsaparilla chewing gum? I mean, ah, uh, God, just you know, someone had to make it. There's been root beer chewing gums over the years, but I don't know if there's any currently. But I know sarsaparilla is a little more rare. Uh, let me search in quotes. Someone somewhere had to uh, conceive of this product. No, didn't I? Guess I guess sarsaparilla when I was in uh, Georgia a, m- a few months back, right? No, no, no. Okay. Orbit chewing gum. See, it's I'm amazed. Uh, this, yes, this is ridiculous. Can you make your own Sarsaparilla chewing gum? Whatever. I, I I'm just very. All right. Now I'm getting annoyed by this. How about root beer chewing gum? Because remember there was that one by. Um, what was the company? I uh, oh, can't remember the name of it, but they had root beer float chewing gum, but it, it contained gelatin, so it was not uh, it was not vegan. I couldn't have it. So yes, A and W root beer chewing gum, Hubba Bubba Max root beer chewing gum, and Hubba Bubba and yeah A and W, but you you can get retro, the retro packs of A and W chewing gum here. So for only $14.98 you can get a pack of A and W Root Beer Liquid Center Chewing Gum from 1983. I mean gum doesn't really go bad, does it? I mean <laughs> maybe it does. <laughs> maybe it goes bad. I don't know. I would try to chew it though. I mean the liquid center is sealed inside gum, isn't it? Like isn't it impervious? Is it basically right? It's sealed off. Gum is like watertight, I would think. Eighty-three wasn't really. I mean, it's not like it's. It's like a thousand years ago. It's only nineteen eighty-three. I mean, but what is the the new one you can get? Like the current one. <clears throat> oh, extra! That's the one. Extra dessert delights root beer chewing gum. Someone's selling it for over a hundred bucks. It's it's a collectible now. Remember, I, I had that, but I, I couldn't do it on the show because it had gelatin in it. But where? All right, now I'm getting annoyed. Where was that? The Hubba Bubba, yeah, Hubba Bubba A and W root beer. There's two different versions. Oh, you can buy it on eBay. Only fifty bucks for a pack of A and W chewing. Listen, root beer chewing gum is expensive. Okay, (laughs) there's no doubt about it. It's been discontinued such a long time. Whoa, what does it say? The return of A and W. Wait a second. Hmm. <coughs> anyway, talking about flavored products I have here Not a f- ice cream flavored chewing gum I have coffee flavored cigar Another one Yes, the Nub Nuance Triple Roast It's actually very good It comes in a little metal tube And uh, I've been smoking this I've been talking about chewing gum It's very good actually It's very flav- It's even more flavorful than that last uh, Coffee flavored cigar I had it's like a little one. It's almost like a cigarillo. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a, I remember I bought this at, uh... that uh, House of Monte Cristo place. Casa de Monte Cristo, sorry. On Route 10. A few weeks ago. It's a good one, though. I'm running out of cigars. I'm wondering if I should just not buy any more cigars. I want to try to, like, not smoke as, as much cigars as I usually do. Good luck on that. Anyway... um over the weekend, I watched uh, a, a, a relatively new show on Netflix. I think it came out in October. It's only November now, towards the end of November right now, called The Devil's Hour. And uh, my brother recommended it to me, and I watched it. It's only six episodes long, and I thought it was all right. It, was, and it, it, it had some, some, some great similarities to another show, that show 1899 I mentioned, that I was not ultimately not so enthusiastic about. Um, I'd say the Devil's Hour is better than 1899. It it feels like a very typical streaming show of this time period. I think people that investigate uh, streaming TV shows from this time period, the 2020s, will uh, you know will look at this one as being rather typical, right? It's you uh, know it has it has Peter Capaldi in it, uh, who who also played Doctor Who, who's very good, and then. It, it has a female you know sort of protagonist just like 1899 but she's much better than the woman who played Mora in 1899 let me see if i can find her name i'd never seen her before but she actually is what makes this this show better let's see if i can find this jessica rain jessica rain is her name I'm not sure what else that she's been in that I would have seen, but she's actually very good. Um, so this show, there's a <laughs> – the similarities between this and 1899. First of all, this takes place in current-day England, okay? Um, so it's a, it's a woman who's haunted by visions in both shows, and, and you see the visions in these sort of jump-cut flashbacks in both shows. And, and you'll see that from the first episode just of either show. And they're mystery box shows, both of them. So there's a mystery that they're teasing. What What is going on? What is causing all of this, right? Um, and both shows have a, a creepy little boy that either doesn't talk at all or is, is very weird and just sort of stands there and stares. Uh, both shows have that as well. And both shows, when you get into them, have a similar kind of time warping kind of thing going on, whatever. Without, I don't want to get into too many spoilers. These shows are better to watch if you don't know anything about them. Uh, the Devil's Hour, um, you know, it's very much cr- it's a, more of a crime-oriented show. There's crimes, and they're trying to investigate them, but uh, it's a little quirky. It's a little different. I was just surprised. How could there be, like, a weird little boy who, who doesn't talk or just stares blankly, like, on both shows? But I feel like uh, Devil's Hour definitely is more uh, just the actors are better and the uh, the situations feel, th- I mean, they, they, they do drift into being more warm and human type of interactions um, so it feels more approachable In the end, I would say Devil's Hour is worth watching and it's been renewed for two more seasons But like, some shows have 12 episodes in a season, this one had 6 so, that's just another 12 episodes, which might just be just think that TV shows used to have 18 episodes in a season. Now there's 6 each to hell. But anyway, it's uh you know, I would say like as I was watching it, I was I was engaged, but towards the the end was a little bit of a letdown, but it was uh as I said, overall better than 1899. Though neither shows are essential essential viewing. I wouldn't say either of those shows is particularly great. As I was mentioning last time though, uh Andor the uh, Star Wars show doesn't that sound like and or like when you do and hyphen or by this and or that you know? uh, and just a n d o r that show I do recommend if especially if you're a Star Wars fan it's so good. But I did want to mention on uh, the Devil's Hour I, I caught an image of something in the very big, very beginning of the show two minutes and fifty four seconds into the very first episode she takes um, a mug out of. Her cabinet and I could have sworn I saw it. And then afterwards I, I uh I did freeze frame on it. It's a Mr. Blobby Mug. Look at this. I just paused to type my show notes and to change it to Mr. Lobby. No, Mr. Blobby, not Mr. Lobby. Hey, I'm uh, Mr. Lobby. I'm an expert on all things about lobbies. Mr. Blobby Mug, yes. So Mr. Blobby, and we actually mentioned Mr. Blobby a couple episodes ago on The Exit Ramp. I was talking to Doc Sleaze about, about it, the character. It's, a, it's sort of a big pink kind of amorphous, like, you know, like it's a person in a suit uh, but with, with like polka dots on it. And um, the first time I heard of Mr. Blobby was, I used to, around, around 1990, I used to get this magazine called Select, a British music magazine. And they had a whole write-up on, on Mr. Blobby's uh, hit single, Blobby, Blobby, Blobby. And apparently, and then I couldn't find any information about it for years, because there's no internet in 1990. I had no way of knowing anything else about Mr. Blobby, but apparently it was some sort of, like, radio talk show host or something who created this character, and has be- had, And it's a character that can go on different TV shows in Britain or make live appearances at award shows or whatever, and it's just this guy in the suit who just, like, smashes everything up and destroys everything goes, Blobby, Blobby, Blobby. But she had a mug, and I looked it up, and there is that, that exact Mr. Blobby mug is is out there. So, cool little uh, reference. It had nothing to do with the plot of the show. Let me see if my uh, my rendition of the, the character was correct, Mr. Blobby. Okay. Yeah, it's pink, uh, pink with yellow polka dots. Let's see. Mr. Blobby is a fictional, a British fictional character created by British comedy writer Charlie Adams. His design involves mostly a costume of a bulbous pink figure with yellow spots, a permanent toothy grin, and green jiggly eyes, with performers often using a tone of voice and repetition to express moods of an electronically altered voice to speak the word blobby when the character talks. Although they are also capable of other words when required, in most cases the character was portrayed by Barry Killerby, P- between 1992 and 2015 and by Paul Benson from 2015 onward. Uh, he passed the torch. <laughs> Looks like Barry Killerby died in, in 2015 and someone else had to take over the role. <clears throat> the character became a noted icon of British television from the 1990s after first appearing on Noel Edmonds' Saturday Night Variety BBC One television show Noel's House Party which Adams was a writer for before making appearances on other programs in later years. So it wasn't a radio thing, it was this this show. Yeah, wow. In 1993, the character was the central part of the Christmas release t- titled Mr. Blobby, which topped the UK singles chart. All right, let me let me see if I can find that Mr. Blobby song. But I, but I would say that um this this uh and I know I've played this before on the show. I have vague memories of this. Because it, it, it looks like it's a parody of uh, Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love with the women in the black dresses as, as the band. But, yeah, no one outside of Britain is really going to... I don't think anyone in America would know about this character, per se, unless they're into British pop culture like I am. 1993, the number one song, Mr. Blobby. Very annoying song, but it's meant to be. Everything about Mr. Mr. Blobby is meant to be extremely annoying. Right? When did I play this? I feel it was a couple years ago. I played this on this show. All right, that's about enough of that. So even though she was having these weird, horrific visions in her mind, she at least had a Mr. Blobby mug. (laughs) All right, we're inside now. It's freezing out there. What the heck's going on? What's the temperature out there? Zero? Wait a minute. That's not right. No, it's uh. Why does it say zero? That's ridiculous. It's like 40 degrees out there Fahrenheit, which is pretty cold. It's a little over-freezing. For those of you that use that other C system, whatever that of the world anyway um anyway i just wanted to give you an update on flea devil solitaire of course last week i uh, presented the game at least in audio to the world and it's uh the current form which i think is the right form because i've been playtesting testing nonstop and just really really loving it um basically i'm not go back to the episode called play flea devil solitaire from last week if you want the uh the rules, but um, the way you play it is you, you play uh, individual games in sequence, and if you win, you, you jot down your score, and if you lose, that's one strike. Three strikes, the game, and, and the game's over, right? The session is over. So um, I have found that uh, consistently, it's not too easy, not too hard. That's, I've, I've been looking for that balance, and it really has been working out. Um, so here's a few totals that I got these games uh, I, got, I have uh, four games A total of 30, that wasn't very good And I had another four games A total of 312, but that was weird I had three three of them I struck out And then one of them was a perfect game at 312 That was weird It was kind of a losing streak The next game was a 05, I scored 84 The next game I had 11 Right, 11 games And I had a total of 1031 That was a good one and what's the more recent ones? Another another game, ten a 10-game 10 session, a total of 279. A lot of low-scoring games. And another one, six games, total score 32. Didn't do too well there. Six games scored a 288. And then four games have scored 40. And the most recent one, I think, uh, 11 games scoring 778. And I'm currently on a three-game winning streak. So doing pretty good so far. But anyway, yes, so this this further um, really reinforces that uh, this this is the correct set of rules. As far as the written rules, I'm, I, I did start working on them and uh, they're in the uh, the next version of the book I'm working on and I'm gonna yes, so coming up, I, I do archive each month, so coming up in the next archive. I will try and include them in the book. I don't I, – I think I may still – I don't think the new book is quite ready for prime time, but I think I can transfer those notes over to the existing PDF of the OnSug book. Uh, so you will have the uh, written notes in the next version of the book, and I'll talk about that when it comes out. Anyway, <laughs> um, talking about the book, I've been really uh, – so this is, uh, you know, the OnSug, a radio station inside a book. The print book, right, I've been uh, reconfiguring it and starting off on my journey to the next edition of the book, right, using a program called Affinity Publisher, which is actually quite good for the purpose. And I've been, uh, you know, I found a great new font called Besley, which is a Clarendon font and uh, really loving that. And uh, I've been just reformatting the book. Going through and one major change that I made was to split up the listings in you know by month, usually by month, or sometimes by season. I might even have to go by week in some cases, but to split it up into smaller playlists, and uh, that's been working out pre- really well. It's something that I just have been sort of going and uh, working on the book uh, little by little, and. I'm also playing around with bringing back a super listening, right? Remember super listening? This, is, this has been a topic, and I looked it up. I actually first mentioned the concept of super listening back in 2011, 11 years ago. This is, a, this is a, the idea that something that I just noticed, and I think a lot of people have noticed, that if you're listening to a podcast while you're doing something else, that it forms this, this um, stronger experience, like in your memory, that the two are sort of combined. And I've been really trying to figure out ways to more formalize the concept more, but it's been a real tough nut to crack, so to speak. So I think that my 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 current view, and I and this is a, this is a concept that I also was called fooning or uh Patch B in the past but i think super listening is probably a better word for it because it's sort of like you're superimposing something on your listening so super listening it's just the word itself kind of describes what it is in a way it's a bit vague super listening but it you're and you're also like it's not just listening it's super listening you know uh, so i've been trying to figure out so for each playlist to give it some sort of little extra bit of Metadata, some sort of concept. So I'm trying to think like super listen with, and then sort of like an object, right? And you could interpret it how you wish. It could be a little toy of the like, like you know, super listen with a polar bear. You know, it could be a toy polar bear that you could just hold while you're listening. It could you could just draw a picture of a polar bear if you don't have any polar bears handy. You could watch a video of polar bears at a zoo while you're listening, right? But in it's just, like, to include a, uh, a thing while you're listening. And, and I know this is – I know it's not making much sense right now, but um, to at least have some reference to super listening in the book. So each playlist would have a different sort of object or concept associated with it. It's, it's still early days in the adding super listening, but I just wanted to mention that. It's a uh, – it's, uh, you know, it's, it seems like the right direction, and it's something that's very much – you know, because – I also had ideas about making smaller playlists and adding super listening. These are all ideas that have been floating around for 10, 15 years now. And uh, I'm trying not – I, I want to just include them in the book but in, in sort of the gentlest or, or, or the simplest way possible without, without making it an over – without overdoing it, if that makes any sense. So in other news, over the weekend, uh, we put up our Christmas tree, started putting out some Christmas decorations and uh, earlier in the day i uh i just put the tree together myself it's a, a tree from uh 25 years ago i think we bought it the first year we were married denise and i at, i think we bought it at fortune off at the willowbrook mall long gone place of course fortune off even though stores called fortune off uh, do crop up now and then there's one on uh 40 uh, on route three there actually right before it hits 46 there fortune off backyard store or something it's Anyway, uh, Fortune off was a big department store. This is just a tree, I mean, you just, uh, you know, metal. You had know, to put it all together. It's a fake tree. Um, <clears throat> so later on, we put it together. We put on regular Christmas music. Now, I was not really quite ready for Christmas music yet. So I put on uh, Jean-Michel Jarre's uh, oxygen, oxygen, oxygen Trilogy uh, of, uh, you know, electronic music. And that actually worked really well. In fact, I was, you know, and then later on when my wife my wife came down and we were <coughs> putting the decorations on and the ornaments and stuff, we switched to regular Christmas music, which there's a great channel that is tolerable to me, which is called Department Store Christmas from Soma FM, an online radio station, and that I could just listen to all day. It has, you know, kind of mid-century Christmas stuff, stuff you might have heard in a department store in the 60s or 70s, Christmas-related music. That's good. But um, looking at Jean-Michel Jarre, I was interested in his other work. And I saw he had this album from 1993 called uh, Chronology. And to me, like, 93 is a, uh, a very special year. It really um, it sort of epitomizes the that early to mid-90s kind of vibe. And um, one thing I sort of had this sort of, uh, like, a romantic notion of is, like... <coughs> Like if you're in a new age shop in 1993, what what CD would they be playing as background music? And I sort of take great comfort in that thought experiment. And I was thinking maybe Chronology would be that album, but it's not. Um, it's It's not bad, but I don't think it would suit that. So I set out on a search for what would be a great album to play. You know, in the electronic genre, but also new age, but also have a little bit of an edge and Man, I found it, and I and I know I've talked about this group before. They're called Software. A lot of bands, you know, with names that are so vague like that, it doesn't really help in terms of the identity of the band. The band is called Software, but they have a ton of albums. And this album from '93 called Cave, uh, and they have a, they have so many albums, but this one fits the bill. This definitely could be could be played as background music at a new age shop in 1993. Here's. The title track here, a little bit of it, just so you can get a sense of what I'm talking about. It, 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 it picks up in a moment here. It also sort of feels like music they'd play at Epcot Center in the rides <laughs> and stuff. I don't know what you would call this particular musical m- vision I'm having here, of this kind of music. I, I It's just... There's a certain comfort factor to it for me. Yes, like this. I like it. It's perfect. It's perfect for my thought experiment. Go shopping in a new age shop. Tarot cards, holograms, incense. Those uh, smudge sticks, those bundles of uh, desert sage that you can burn to ward off evil spirits. Nice. I know what I'll be listening to today, pretending it's 1993 all over again. Nice. Perfect. Perfect for this particular need. (coughs) Right? You dig? You dig what I'm saying? I know this is not not music for everyone, but. Nice. Anyway, talking about <coughs> music, uh, a K pop group that I've been very into the past couple years, Luna, L O O N A, uh, they're in trouble. Um, I've talked a lot about Luna over the years. They're a K pop group, but they're unique in so many ways. Uh, there were 12 members, 12, 12 uh, women in the band. And they have this whole thing called the, the Luniverse, this sci- like science fiction epic storyline that runs throughout their music videos. Hundreds of hours of behind-the-scenes footage online. And uh, they're much more popular outside of Korea than in Korea. And I think in so many ways, a very unique group. And I was actually able to see them live in Times Square a few months ago, and it was just an amazing experience. And as it turns out, that may have been my, my, only, my only chance, because Luna pretty much imploded this week. Um, as if you heard what I was talking when I was talking about the show, the management company basically treats them very poorly. And there were so many shows scheduled and without any breaks. So the girls were like, you know, injured, like, like collapsing on stage, wearing slings. They were just like they have because of the nature of the K-pop music industry, they have no power to say no. They have to do what the company says. And uh, one of the members, Chu, had become rather popular on her own and had this super, you know, doing all these other TV shows and stuff. And eventually she had to sue the company to um, get some leeway with her contract, right? And uh, so she hadn't been involved. She was not at the show I saw. All, all the other 11 were. And uh, so, so just, uh, right, I think it was over the weekend, uh, the company Blockberry Creative, they're the company that owns the group, Announced that uh, Chu had been expelled from the group And not only that She had been Like on a power trip And insulting other people And everyone's denying that So Chu was kicked out of the group And uh, then Just yesterday uh, Nine of the remaining 11 members uh, Sued the company To get out of their contract So Pretty much I think this band is over with People are Hoping A desperate hope That they could Get away from BlockBerry Creative and perhaps um, <coughs> strike out and reform the group under another management company. But I really don't know how realistic that is. I really don't know. Here's the story. Let's see. Uh, nine members of Luna, excluding Vivi and Hunjin, have filed an injunction against BlockBerry Creative to terminate their contracts. So Vivi is from Hong Kong. She's the only one that's not Korean. So she would. Uh, she has a different situation she may not be able to sue and Hunjin um, no one really knows quite why she didn't join in the lawsuit but and they say her and Vivi are close and maybe she doesn't want to leave Vivi all alone no one really knows just yet so of course this has created shockwaves in the Luna community though no one's really surprised this has been coming for a long time but it's part of what's really interesting about Luna this is not this is the the latest in this long string of endless Controversies and issues and business collapses and all sorts of amazing problems going on (coughs) with Luna. It is very sad, but um, who knows? Maybe they will be able to regroup under a different company, even back with Chu again. Um, What a mess. Anyway, I don't know. I kind of feel like since I saw that, I, I haven't really been that into Luna in the past couple months, I feel like I got my, I had my big Luna phase and I, I got so much entertainment uh, fr- from them. And um, I do hope that they, c- they can get back together. I do, but that's not all this week. Yet another issue happened related to Luna. This is far more minor, but uh, um, a very, a very strange situation. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find it here. Yeah, yeah. Two members of Luna, um, Heejin and Olivia Hay, uh, were appearing on this um, TV show called Girls Reverse. Um, And I found a link to it through their Reddit page. So this is now... You know how they have those music contests where... Starts off with 30 contestants and only one wins, or like the one they had recently. 99 contestants and nine of them form a, a K pop group. So it's an, an elimination contest. But in this case, it took place in the metaverse, Girls Reverse. And um, so it was done in a VR chat, and there were, I think, 30 contestants, uh, all from established K pop bands. But they were sort of secret, but people figured out who they were. So each of them had this persona in VR chat, like different char- like virtual characters, right? So they had avatars. And uh, the whole thing has been taken offline now, so I don't even know if I can find it. But the one I remember was that uh, Olivia Hay from Luna was Chunky Cat. She was sort of this cat girl that was kind of aloof and kind of ran away from everyone. So chunk, Chunky Cat. <laughs> was uh a great character so i watched the little introduction videos where each girl teleports in into this space it's it's just sort of like a little a little park that they are hanging out in just to start just to start with and there's this giant penguin guy that like a cartoon penguin that's kind of like the host of the show that's interviewing them and stuff and then they go and meet the other contestants and everything and i don't know i honestly i found it a bit annoying I, I mean, I watched the introduction parts, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. This is really kind of annoying me. Uh, <coughs> but apparently, let's see if I can find the information here. This just happened. Like, like, everything related to Luna is, is, like, collapsing. It's wild. Sad. The first episode of Girls Reverse will be delayed indefinitely due to issues with the creators of the 3D model. So, apparently, in VR chat, you can, uh, you can buy... Avatars, like characters that uh, that you can be in the virtual world, and I mean I've tried out VR chat here and there a little bit. It's not something I've been into that much, but apparently the TV producers like bought some skins or some avatars, but they were not uh, properly licensed for TV broadcast. So the whole show is like completely shot. And apparently it was a pretty obscure show anyway. Girls reverse R E R E colon v-e-r-s-e um let's see if i find any information about it Uh but i will miss chonky cat (laughs) uh oh so i guess i guess it's sort of like vtubers is a phenomenon of like virtual youtube stars The show was set to premiere Monday, November 28th, but had the plug pulled abruptly less than 24 hours before debut. The reasoning mentions ongoing discussions with the creators of the models of the Virtual Idols, which were sourced from both domestic and foreign open-source platforms. It seems to me that royalties for creators should be something addressed near the beginning of the project rather than the day the show is set to air. Wow. That's kind of sad. So I think all of the but they took down all the video, so you can't even watch it now. The whole this whole project has, has been like destroyed. It's so sad. Like as as I said, I don't know if I was gonna watch it anymore. Um, see Chonky Cat Girls Reverse. Let's see if we can get like In different like each character had like their own backstory. It's funny cuz one one of the characters was from like the early 2000s like she was in suspended animation since like the early early 2000s so she was like oh have you seen my MySpace page <laughs> that's considered ancient history for the young people today Girls Reverse Oh there's Chunky Cat yeah there's some images still left online And then wh- who was Heejin? I forget I forget what her character was called but <laughs> Chunky Cat yeah there's there's some pictures of ch- there's Chunky Cat <laughs> I like that name. Uh, Heejin was Reen, R-I-E-N. Oh, well, not a good week for Luna, but who knows what's going to happen. Someday maybe Chonky Cat will return. Hey, it's later on now. And I got a cool little item here that I mail-ordered. It's from Rivendell Mountain Works. And... uh This is a company that uh, makes—their main thing, they they make backpacks. And I found out about them because they did a collaboration with TSPTR. And uh, TSPTR is a company in England that makes, like, T-shirts and other clothing that's uh, inspired by California in the 1970s. And they are strongly referenced uh, in uh, Shindig Magazine, a magazine that—my favorite magazine that I do subscribe to from England— it's a music magazine. So if we go to TSPTR, let's see. I, I've only bought one T-shirt from them. In fact, I tried to buy one, but it was out of stock, so I had to get a different one, which was, uh, what was it? It was a, a wizard under a mushroom in the rain. I think I must have talked about it. But yeah, they they do license stuff from the Peanuts. And they have, you know, like, yeah, just mushrooms and wizards and California stuff. But they did a um, yeah this collaboration with... Rivendell Mountain Works. And so, Rivendell Mountain Works, first of all, has this incredible logo that they have embroidered patch on everything they make. And where where are they? (laughs) Because I know Rivendell, you know, remember that, that line from The Hobbit? Rivendell, where Elrond dwells. So, I'm not sure if it's based on the Tolkien thing or what's going on there. We'll have to, let me see if we can find some information here. Where are they located? They're in Washington State. They don't say the origin of the name Rivendell. Hmm. Where Elrond dwells. But anyway, so um, they have some interesting products, like little... These little bags and stuff. I always wanted to order something from them, but... You know, and this may seem a bit unreasonable, but some a lot of their stuff has like leather elements, and I pretty much would just you know if I had the choice would prefer not to buy anything with leather in it anymore. Listen, I know I'm vegan, I'm trying to be reasonable about it, but and I do, I did wear leather shoes the other you know uh, when I went to that Marine Corps ball, you know because I don't really have good vegan shoes right now, so I'm trying not to be completely unreasonable about it, but you know to buy something new with leather. I probably would opt out of it. So most of their stuff has leather on it, like little leather straps and things. But I found one product they had, the ID coin pouch. Right, it's a little little coin pouch, made of Cordura brand fabric, and uh, you order it, and it's fifteen bucks, and it was like five dollars shipping, and they just give you a random color. So I only ordered one, and I got a beautiful brown, like a like like a deep dark brown color, with. The uh, Rivendell Mountain Works Embroidered patch on it And it's just and, and a zipper And it's just like this little, this little object And I use, I'm using it to store All my little uh, Fidget things That I bought over the years So let's, we'll take a look at what I I think this one's a little too big to fit in there But it did fit though um, Here's what it says about this thing It is a coin idea pouch Known as the pickpocket Various colors Weight 0.6 ounces A tiny but indispensable pocket for stashing change, guitar picks, or other small and easily lost items. We'll also hold an ID card. This is the smallest thing we make, but there there is no compromise on construction. Hot cut with double sewn seams and hang loop. Made in the USA by elves. Okay, so so maybe they're trying to be like Elrond. No, no, (laughs) J.R.R. Tolkien, not Elrond, whatever. Thank you for choosing an RMW bag, RivendellMountainWorks.com. So it's a very cool little item, but what I'm, I I really do need something like this because I have all these little items like this. Remember this little uh, little worry stone made from a bowling ball? You can put that in there. I have my copper pie. It's a little copper little copper rod that you can play around with, a knuckle roller type thing that I got from that defunct company in Canada. That fits in there, and then of course my prized possession, the. A round square um, little knuckle roller made of copper. Beautiful object that goes in there. We also have, uh, you can all fit my um, titanium prayer beads from Canada, also from around ra- a round square. Great little item. Love this. And that's also fits in there. And of course, the original Bagleri I got from a Butterfield Machine. Wow, look at this. This copper is really aging. It's just two copper beads with a paracord between them nice can fit in there so this is a great little pouch for all these cool things and the one last thing that I don't know if I'm gonna keep in there is this little I don't think this really belongs is this uh, pop socket that, that little thing where there's these little magnetic balls whatever little magnetic pucks it does fit but I think it's a bit much but anyway it's it's a good store yeah it fits it actually fits pretty well It's a great little storage pouch for these great little items and it's just peace of mind to know they're all in this one little pouch together and not all scattered around my, my, my studio and who knows what's going on. But I really like this little item. It's very cool. The pickpocket. I don't know why they call it the pickpocket. They don't say that on the site. It's just it's on the information card that's in with it. But was it necessary? I don't know. But I like it. Uh, look, I found the information. Here's an interview with someone from the company, please tell us where the name Rivendell Mountain Works comes from and what it stands for. Answer. Larry Horton started Rivendell Mountain Works in the early 70s and used the name of Rivendell, the mythical home of the elves in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy. I presume that part of the reason for the name choice was that vision of an imaginary, pristine secret Shangri-La. There has long been a quest in exploration history to find Shangri-La, a great account of such a spiritual and exploration quest is documented in the book Heart of the World by Ian Baker. I am continuing with the suggestion of that idea by coining the expression, May a Jensen pack be on your back when you find your Riven- Rivendell. What the hell are they talking about? Anyway, I do, uh, I do dig what they're saying. Um, oh, look, there's Rivendell Bicycle Works, too. They also named it after Lord of the Rings. I hope they don't get sued by the uh, Lord of the Rings company. (laughs) No, I'm sure they're too small to worry. Hopefully, because, you know, it's only the name. It's not like, they're not like showing elves or anything, even though they they do show a few mushrooms on the logo. But that's not exclusive to Tolkien. I don't even know if there's mushrooms in Tolkien. But anyway, um, that reference to a Shangri-La or like a lost city, you know, that sort of definitely um, relates to my working theory of the world where we live, the world we live in is one of many worlds that are sort of stacked very close together in higher dimensional space. And that reports of people somehow traveling and finding these other cities and these other lands, um, whether they be true or not, uh, relate to that, that that someone has gone through a, a dimensional portal, which sounds more exotic than perhaps it is. It's just a a physical construct which can uh, move you physically in a higher dimensional direction: fourth dimension, the fifth dimension, the sixth dimension, etc. Right? The uh, Admiral Byrd, um, um, the uh, you know Antar- Antarctic explorer, I suppose. Uh, he he led a, a navy group down to the South Pole and uh, appeared on the Longines-Wittenauer Hour, which you can find on the Internet Archive, and spoke about there being this other land uh, beyond the South Pole. On that show, he kind of alluded to it, saying that, saying that there's natural resources and that Americans will be exploring this region. That's confirmed, you know, that, that he actually did this. There's additionally a, uh, a book uh, that was supposedly his journal where he further describes traveling to a completely alien city beyond the north or the south pole and i think that um since people are very stuck on the three-dimensional thing they always imagine that it's in the inner inner earth you know like the earth is hollow and there's stuff inside which i i can sort of understand if people don't quite get Higher dimensional geometry That they'd think That it would have to be Inside the earth Where else could it be Um Listen I don't mean to to be Dismissive about it I understand that that It's a very strong Conditioning people have To think about things As a three dimensional And not understanding In theory Higher dimensional geometries But I read a, a book Called Flatland By Edwin Abbott When I was a kid That opened my mind To higher dimensional geometries And it's not really That uncommon Or that difficult To understand Uh how two 3D volumes could be stacked on top of each other, the same way two flat planes could be stacked on top of each other. But there's many other stories that relate to people finding other worlds and other lands just by walking there, right? South American uh, natives traveling through tunnels underground, going to another place. And uh, there's even talk of some of the theories the the Buddhist... uh, Tibetan Buddhists have tunnels going to other worlds, which is commonly characterized by the inner earth, but which I would say are simply parallel worlds that you're accessing, that those tunnels have the feature of shunting you or moving you uh, into another volume. So that's what he was talking about, this sort of the dream of finding these other places. I do suspect that these places are very close and you could literally walk through a corridor to get to these other places. And I, if I had to guess, I would say there are portals in New York City uh, to get to these other places. But, of course, if any of this is true, there's clearly an information blackout that the general public is not allowed to know about this. Because if they did, it would very much change everything about our perception about ourselves and our world, and then it would become a different world. If the idea is to preserve this world as it is, that information can't get out because then it wouldn't be this world anymore. It would be a very different... It would be a world where people knew about these other worlds, and that would, of course, throw the outer space thing into, into total disarray because how do you have all these multiple dimensions and have the outer space thing? You know that The two are... Kind of mutually exclusive unless you're trying to say that the earth is it's all the earth, but earth is a is a an eight-dimensional like planet or something. I suppose I suppose you could you, you could try to twist it into that sense. I, I tend to think that it's it's not like that. There is not in the in my working theory is that the nature of the world we're living in, there are other worlds, but they're not in outer space, they're stacked. I know this is not a very popular opinion and uh, it's just a conjecture. But it was interesting that he mentioned it. Shangri-La. What is the actual Shangri-La? It's a fictional place in Asia's Kunlun Mountains described in the 1933 novel Lost Horizon by English author James Hilton. Okay. Anyway. But by definition, we can't know because, you know. And as I've said, I, I... in the past, I do feel that um, there probably are versions of our exact world where we were we've been told about this right would uh, if you want to call it disclosure I don't know that it would necessarily considering our situation I don't know that it would be in aggregate um, beneficial to uh to have that knowledge right because so much about the value of this place rests on the specifics of our self image and our view on our world view right which is very much based on the outer space thing and us sort of as passengers on spaceship earth so i'm not i'm not saying that that you know we should uh demand the answers cuz as usual, we may not like the answers. Anyway. So another cool item here. It's a book from Tomorrow's Morrow's Publishing, T.W.O. Morrow's Publishing, American TV Comic Books, 1940s to 1980s by Peter Bosch. So this is a book that covers um, the entire realm of uh, comic books based on TV shows, which is an amazing field that is, very, that is not very uh, well covered. You know, I've run into these from time to time. Just browsing through here Bat Masterson, Rawhide, Sea Hunt, uh, Annette Funicello, Wyatt Earp, Aramis Brooks. Uh, really, all color, all the covers and stuff. <coughs> the only issue I have with this book is that they say 1940s to 1980s, but really. Um, The 60s, 40s through the 60s, take up most of the book. And the 70s are only, the 70s and 80s and a little bit of the 90s are a very little bit. So if you look at the whole book, I mean, uh, up to page 162 is up to the 60s, and then 70s, 80s, and 90s is only like 30 pages. So that's the, st- it's just that that's the time sh- the time that would be most relevant to me. Um, and the 80s is very, very small representation Uh, just a few pages of 80s, right? Literally just a handful of pages. Star Trek, The Next Generation. But anyway, so uh, most of it is that mid-century time period. Before my time, but it's still really interesting. I I mean, I was hoping for more 70s and 80s stuff, but generally speaking, this is an incredible reference to this poorly understood aspect of comic books. I think a lot of times these were sort of consigned to sort of Second rate or also ran uh, comic books. I don't know if people are super interested in them. Um, but, yeah, so many comics were based on TV shows. 77 Sunset Strip from 1960. What else do we have here? A lot of Westerns. The Danny Thomas Show <laughs> comic book from Dell. Danger Man, look, there it is. It's, uh, and Secret Agent. After Dell's lackluster Danger Man debut... Four-Color, whatever. The Gold Key launched its revamp of the Patrick McGowan TV series under the title of Secret Agent. So I guess... Yeah, because I'm almost done watching The Prisoner, and there actually are some Prisoner comics that came out, like, in the 90s, I think. Um, the Prisoner was sort of a connected to Danger Man, a.k.a. Secret Agent, to some extent. It's It's thought that the character from Danger Man may be the guy that's, you know, in the village, but... Anyway, cool. so this is a very cool book. Supercar, look at that. Nice 62. <clears throat> Walt Disney's World of Adventure featuring Mooncusser's and Captain Nemo and Captain Nemo. What are Mooncusser's? Pirate's plunder ships lured to disaster on dark, moonless nights. Mooncusser's. <laughs> this is wild stuff. The Lucy Show, Fireball XL5, Steve Zodiac, nice. I Dream of Genie, Gidget. Look at this! This ton of Western stuff. It was sort of, that was sort of the end of the, the tail end of Westerns being popular, right? The '60s, kind of, and Westerns, kind of. Oh, look! Land of the Giants. Dark Shadows, The Mod Squad, Banana Splits. Was there a Banana Splits comic? Nice. The courtship of Eddie's father. Did he ever get married, Eddie's father? I don't remember. Bill Bixby before his Hulk days. Dell's Brady Bunch comics. H.R. Puffin stuff from Whitman. <coughs> Whitman, that c- that company usually did like coloring books. Fascinating stuff, Partridge Family comic books, Lancelot Link, of course, Shazam, the world's mightiest mortal from the uh, live-action Shazam series and the live-action Isis series. And look, The Man from Atlantis, 78, this is sort of more my time, Croft Super Show, Battlestar Galactica, very interesting stuff, but most of it is, is the 50s and 60s, just so you know. Oh, Beanie and Cecil. Nice. So in video game news, um, I've always been a big fan fan of the King of Fighters, a series of games from SNK, starting all the way back in King of Fighters '94. Again, with that 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 time period early early to mid '90s. Sorry for the fan, but I need to have the fan on to run these games. Um. So King of Fighters. Uh, King of Fighters 15 is the latest version, really good version, but it it's, it lacked a survival mode because I, you know, I am never competitive in these fighting games. If I played online, I would get my ass kicked all the time, and I'm really not interested in devoting the time and energy to get to know how to play at that level. I just enjoy playing the game, and survival mode was always a way to um. Just just play the game without having to worry about competition or anything. So you can you can create your own survival mode here, and I found I, I tuned it perfectly for myself. <coughs> so I've been really enjoying it. There's also a sort of uh, there's there's like no it's just an infinite mode, right? Where you uh, where you just keep playing, and there's no winning or well, you win and lose, but there's really you're not really going towards anything. So what you do is want to make sure you have your options set for a single battle. Go to Versus, Single, Versus Normal, One Player Versus CPU, right? And um, I also bought the rest of the DLC characters, which I didn't have, which was Orochi Yashiro, Orochi Shermie, Orochi Chris, Haomaru, Nakoruru, and Darley Dagger. So what you do is you just select uh, Random. Character random for your character. Ooh, I got Andy Bogard. Character random for your opponent. Ooh, <coughs> Yama- <coughs> Yamazaki. And then choose the stage, and of course, for me, there's only one stage. Pow Pow Cafe. It's sort of in this sort of indoor space, like a, like a huge like glass building with this cafe there. And the Pow Pow Cafe was also in, one of the, I think, one of the Fatal Fury games. But it's like nighttime, and there's a bar. And I changed the music to a uh, run-through from King of Fighters Neo Wave. So now I'll just play random battle after random battle, Andy versus Yamazaki, with random colors. And it just, it just goes on forever in the Pow Pow Cafe. And this is great. I love this. This is like a new way to play. It's just the loading time is a little bit onerous. But other than that, this is so fun. Because I know, you know, most of the A lot of the special moves through the characters, you can look them up if you don't have them This is a great A great fighting game It's just, you know, you can enjoy these games In different ways (coughs) I just wish this loading Wasn't so long Here we go So this is that alternate music I put in I tried to get a, a, a save file to unlock all the music without having to play all the through to unlock it, but didn't work. So I had this one anyway. Andy is uh, Terry's brother, by the way, if you didn't know. See, they have the neon sign there for the Pow Pow Cafe. These four guys with masks playing drums. And there's the bar, like a tiki bar kind of thing going on. There's a barrel, barrel tables, some some patrons. Looking on at the fight, what's that guy? T- what's that guy's T-shirt say? Hit and hit and something. Hit and hmm, I don't know. But I always just play the same background, the same music. All right, I, be- I better be. Uh, I better beat this guy. I think I think they're set on fighting level three, which you know. I don't win every single time, but usually win. You know, just because of uh, yes. I don't want to sit and lose all the time. (laughs) And the the cool thing is, what do you get next? And it just keeps track of how many times you won and lost and what your win streak is. So that can be your own kind of survival mode. Let's see. Let's see who who we're going to get next. Just hit fight again. And see who we're going to get next. It's totally random. And it's just fun to play with random characters. And plus all their different colors and stuff. It's just this loading screen is just a bit annoying, but... You just keep playing and there's no end to it. You can keep playing forever, you know? Alright, I'm Terry. I'm fighting Leona. Nice. With uh, With his leather jacket look. Crack shoot. Burn knuckle. I like doing the crack shoot. Burn Knuckle. The Burn Knuckle. It's a Burning Knuckle. Power Geyser! Power Geyser's a good move. This is fun. It's kind of like a South American, like, Aztec kind of theme to this Pow Pow Cafe. Ooh, she has that nuclear ball she shoots out of her chest. Nice. What does Terry say? Sorry, it had to end like this, but I can't afford to lose either. Nice. We'll see who we get next. Isn't this fun? Isn't this great? I like it. It breathes new life into this game I really had not been playing very much. Alright, I'm Ralph versus Billy Kane. Okay, Billy Kane has a giant cane he hits you with. Ralph, I'm definitely not very good at. He's one of the Ikari Warriors. If you remember that video game Ikari Warriors, the really old arcade game where these two guys are like in the jungle fighting, and this is the guy from there. Yeah, some characters. I, I like characters that shoot like fireballs and stuff. This guy has no fireballs, he's just a brawler. All the customers at the Pow Pow Cafe. And then you, you can see, like, the roof uh, a little bit, like the glass roof of the building. They're in uh, South Town, right? We should look up the Pow Pow Cafe. I'm sure there's more information about it. What does he say? The adults have got a job to do up ahead. You better stay back.
1: Uh,
0: and one of them mentions uh, Momoko one of the most obscure fighters. She's a a girl from Brazil. She was only in King of Fighters Eleven, And I think she mentioned Bao as well. The little kid with the yellow hat. There's been so many... There's been like hundreds of characters in this series. This game has like 39, I think. This one, but there's been so many. Oh, here's Orochi Shermi. Shermi is a fan favorite character. She's a very buxom woman who has, uh... Her hair covers her eyes. And, uh... She was killed, but now she's back to life. And she can shoot, like, lightning bolts. Because she's she has the power of the Orochi. There's also a regular Shermi, so you can play with two Shermis if you want. And a lot of people do. They love their Shermi action. What, am I flying Leona again? What is this? It's never happened before. I just have to do the lightning bolt. I think I can just win with that. Let's see about a special move. Oh, she also blows you a kiss and, like, blows up and kills you. She has a lightning a lightning ball. Leona has a lot of good moves. Leona has an exploding earring. Oh, she just threw it at me. Need a few lightning bolts. Done! <coughs> Done. Term. Orochi Shermi says, "You can still san- you can still stand how irritating. I'll just go ahead and end you." Wow, see, she turns evil when she turns Orochi. You getting all this? King of Fighters? It is a great game. What, with such a long history. I know I usually am, I'm against violence, but I do enjoy these fighting games. Here we go. We'll do one more round. hope it's someone good. All right, I'm Riol. Oh, versus uh, Darley Dagger. She's from some of the, the the most. I'm not familiar with her at all. She has this giant like saw axe thing, and um, she's from uh, Samurai Showdown or Samurai Spirits. Uh, Got to be one of the later ones that I didn't get. <coughs> yeah, because characters from other dimensions can come in too. There was that pirate girl from uh, the Pachinko game in the last one and she acknowledged that she's like they acknowledge that they're from another dimension you know so this guy Ryo has uh, has basically like the uh, karate like the same moves as um, in, in Street Fighter Ken and Ryu and Dan I think is a uh, Dan in Street Fighter is like a parody of this guy Ryo alright I kicked Darley oh Daggers ass all right, we'll do one more. Just one more. First reflection, then devotion. Karate man. One more. One more. See, it gets addictive. You just keep playing. You don't know what the characters are coming up next. Considering the colors and the ca- there's like thousands of matchups that are possible. I could do the math, but we don't need to do it right now. All right, I'm Terry again fighting Luong. What is what is she? Ha- I'm not. Sh- I don't. I know she was from third. Uh, the last one, but I don't know what her powers are. I think she just kick you. Burn knuckle. Come on, burn knuckle. Burn knuckle. How about crack shoot? Crack shoot. All right, let me do power geyser. Uh, Geiza! Yeah, Luang just kind of kicks you. And, um, you know... <coughs> this game has had some controversy in the past. Like, the, the female characters have large breasts. And there's been times where they, they tried to tone down the, the breasts, like, jiggling. But there's no problem with that in this game. They're, they're all jiggling naturally. You've got some spirited attacks, but you're still way off beating me.
2: All
0: right, one more, just one more. I know I keep saying just one more, but you know, this will be the last one. Then we'll look up Pau Pau Cafe. Who's it going to be? I keep getting the same character. That that's never happened before. You know, so. Alright, I'm King, fighting Ash. Nice. Ash is tough because he has those green flames. King King is a fan favorite character. She's like a... She's kind of like a waitress kind of character. She wears like a, a suit. Venom strike! But how about the double strike? Oh god, Ash is tough. He kicks you with the green flames and kicks your ass. He also blows you a kiss with green flames, and he can just... He's tough. King. This is a challenge. Venom strike. Venom strike. Ooh, those green flames are tough. Oh, my God. The flame kick. Ooh, a nice. I won. All right. I <coughs> know we have to stop. We have to stop. I, I love this mode, though. I'm so happy I discovered it. I've had this game for, like, I don't know, a year or two at this point. But anyway. All right, let's look at Pow Pow Cafe. P-A-O, P-A-O. Yeah, the computer kind of freezes after the playing a game like that for, yeah. Listen, I have a very old computer at this point. I need a new gaming laptop. Pow Pow Cafe. Here we go. All right, and the SNK Wiki. The Pow Pow Cafe. Uh, it means bread, bread, coffee in Portuguese. So, cal- so bread, bread, coffee. Pow Pow Cafe. Hey, I did not know that. Um, is a fictional bar and nightclub for multiple SNK continuities taking place in Southtown. Many games feature either the original or its sister location, Pow Pow Cafe 2. Richard Meyer is the original founder of the bar and his longtime student Bob Wilson runs the second bar. Oh, there's a whole story behind it and wow, it appeared in Fatal Fury, Fatal Fury 2, oh, so many games. Let's see, in Fatal Fury... Yeah, yeah. That that that's a totally different look. That's like the maybe we're not seeing inside, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I can see, and that that must be Pow Pow Cafe 2. It's like in this this grimy. Oh, this is uh, from King of Fighters Eleven, a game you still really can't get on PC. I tried emulating and I, I had a heck of a time. Is this Pow Pow Cafe two from King of Fighters Eleven? Yeah, it's a really nasty, uh, like slum area. <laughs> <clears throat> so here's Pow Pow Cafe. This looks like the same one. I don't. I don't know. This is like. There's so many different Pow Pow Cafe uh, uh, scenes. This one is very similar. I think the. I think the one um, that I'm playing is like the best. The best one. The best version of Pow Pow Cafe. I'm. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it right. Pow is bread. Hey, give me some pow. That's bread in Portuguese. Yeah. But anyway, I suppose we should read the history of this whole thing. Right Right now, we have the opportunity. Richard Meyer lived life as a wandering fighter, traveling the world and challenging strong opponents in street fights. Hoping to create a place to settle with his wife and teach others the joys of Capoeira. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Richard followed the rumors of the King of Fighters tournament and went to Southtown. Aware of the deadly gang wars of the area, Richard used earnings from his previous winnings to found the Pow Pow Cafe near Delta Park, one of the neutral areas of the city, free from turf wars. You know what? There's also the same indoor space I know is in a Real Bout Fatal Fury Special, and it's like a museum or something. Hmm. The bar was designed to be spacious, usually with a mix of Oriental and South American styles, featuring prominently dragon pillars. It has had to host... A stage It had to host a stage large enough for live entertainment, capoeira lessons, and late-night street fighting where a capoeira rota will form <coughs> with the bateria playing capoeira music during the battles. Richard proudly used Pow Pow Cafe as his personal arena, du- arena during the tournament. Although Richard lost midway through the tournament, the welcome atmosphere, good food, and open bar became a hit with local fighters. Pau Pau Cafe became known as a safe haven where anyone could relax and enjoy themselves. Business remained booming even after Wolfgang Krauser thrashed Richard so bad that he could not enter the following King of Fighters tournament. During his recovery period, Richard returned to Brazil. Scouted for fresh uh, capoeira talent, he met Bob Wilson, one of his students and admirers. In a street fight, and entrust, in a street fight and entrusted Bob with the new Pow Pow Cafe too when they returned to Southtown. The second bar became as successful as the original. Richard and Bob may work shifts together at one of the bars. Pow Pow Cafe qu- quickly became one of Terry's favorite places to visit in Southtown. Richard let him eat on a tab and occasionally reminds him of this in supplementary material. Getting Terry to pay up is one of Richard's secondary, albeit joking, motivations For fighting in King of Fighters Maximum Impact 2. If he thinks Terry needs a job or is going too far in his tab, the owner occasionally hires Terry as a temporary janitor. Wow. A Mexico branch exists in the King of Fighters series. It is similar to the original pow-pow, keeping the Asian decoration, but this time mixed with traditional Mexican design. This area was used by the Mexico team, Rio Sakazaki, Robert Garcia, and Takuma Sakazaki Sakazaki, and featured cameos of different characters from Art of Fighting and Fatal Fury. The King of Fighters 94 Rebound makes the place larger, and the arena has a moving elevator that tours around the whole building halls and exterior. What the heck's up with that? I, I, ne- I never heard about that situation. Hmm. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Um, let me see if we can find a real... Uh, Real bout, real bout, fatal fury. Because I want to see that other area. I'm trying to figure out this area, you know. This is all very well documented. This me I mean, listen, this means a lot to a lot of people. I know. I know it may sound frivolous, but uh, you know, it's very important to people. You have the stages here. Hmm. I don't know. Real Bout Fatal Fury. Stages. Yeah, 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 yeah. East East Side Park. Yeah. See, look, it's a, it's a large space with a glass a roof, um, where there's a cave and a park, and there's an elevator here. So this, yes, East Side. Hmm. East Side Park. A national park. The fight takes place in a balcony. Can be seen a waterfall, an elevator, people cheering, ancient statues, vegetation, and various plaques. Hmm. I always I always love that stage. It's in the same it feels like it's in the same place, you know. Mysterious. Alright. I think we've we've uh figured out about as much as we can at this point about the Pow Pow Cafe. Anyway, Today's episode is known as Rootin' Tootin' Extreme of Valley. That's quite a title, and it's, it's quite a show art. It's wild. Um, as you can see, it's this orange background, the, the an old Overnightscape logo, red with a black outline. And it almost looks like the surface of Mars or something, but it's not. And then we have this Rootin' Tootin' Extreme of Valley typeset in this uh, kind of this patriotic font called ketwurst i don't, i'm trying to remember where that came from ket ketwurst <laughs> what kind of font is that ketwurst what the hell it's like a kind of hot dog like liverwurst <laughs> no liverwurst is not a hot dog is it no what is liverwurst ketwurst font oh it's one of those fonts by peter peter weigel okay <clears throat> okay I'm not sure I even know what that means. Yeah, Peter Weigel. Wasn't he the guy that had that German font um, thing? Ketwurst is a decorative display font based on a photo from the 1970s of a then-new type of foil lettering for a snack bar restaurant. Ketwurst's bold, authentic vintage look makes it perfect for headlines, posters, and logos. So anyway, this show art started off... I I was looking at my old show, and there was that episode called... um, what was it called? It was called Ah, oh, come on. Yes, Ignatius Wallops is the name of the episode. It was the overnight escape, eighteen eighty-six, from uh, February fifteenth of this of this year, twenty twenty-two, and it's a screenshot there of me sitting on Physics Phil's bed in uh, in the Weird University video series. So I saw that, and I I focus in on the lower left, right, and I I used that section to create this new show art and uh <clears throat> so this went through a bunch of different levels of, i used a bunch of different names and concepts for it finally uh came up upon rooten and Tutin extreme of valley um it's a phrase that feels like something i would have included in my old poetry or my old lyrics or my science fiction story it's a word rooten Tootin', that um it's annoying because it has so many hyphens. Does it have a hyphen? I put the hyphen in. It has apostrophes. But I figured it's a it's a difficult phrase. I wanted to include it. I wanted to face it. I wanted to face up to it. Rootin' tootin'. It's sort of like cowboys say, wow, we're in for a rootin' tootin' good time, right? And it's related to, ah, you're darn tootin'. I know I looked into the etymology of it and everything. It's just, yeah. Well, we should look into the etymology of root and tootin. So I do like that phrase. I think, I think it was actually, there was a comic book in that book I was just talking about that it wasn't exactly root and tootin, but it reminded me of the root and phrase. And, um, yeah, I wanted to dig into that phrase more. Let's see. Etymology. Meaning and origin. Rootin' tootin' is generally used to mean noisy, boisterous, rip-roaring. This meaning was widely used in B-movie cowboy films, including rootin' tootin' shootin' cowboys. It has previously been used to mean inquisitive and meddlesome, although it is likely to be a separate derivation stemming from rootin' referring to rooting around like a pig. Surely, if if ever there was an expression that sounds American, this is it. However, the two earliest examples I know of Root and in print date to 1874. One is from the USA, and one is from England. The English example of Root and is in the English poet Edwin Waugh's collection of rustic dialect stories, The Chimney Corner, 1874. By the way, this is phrases.org.uk. Well, afore who'd bin here three days who'd have a dozen colliers, Rooten and Tootin, after her every neat... Translated Before she, before she'd been here three days, she'd have a dozen miners whistling and hooting after her every night. The U.S. example comes from the Indiana newspaper, the Evansville Journal, November 1874. I'm a rootin', tootin', cuttin', shootin', carvin', cardplatein', catamount all the way from Arkansas. So, yeah, anyway. So I like that phrase. And um, extreme, without the E at the beginning, it's kind of 90s version of extreme everything in the 90s was extreme root and toot and extreme and the previous phrase i had here was destructo valley one of those games i invented many years ago um so i kept the valley so i'm like root and toot and extreme valley i'm like yeah i don't know that doesn't sound good so i added of which at which gives it that weird sense root and toot and extreme of valley which definitely feels like a a, a way i would phrase things in like in my sci-fi novel, I would have called something... Oh, this is a house called Toot and Tutan Extreme of Valley. That's what my house is called. Like Something weird like that. I know it may seem kind of random, but... it Normally, like this phrase, I wouldn't normally embrace something like this, but it just... When I saw Toot and Tutan Extreme of Valley, I'm like, yeah, there's something there. I like it! All right, so let's go back to 1994 one more time. Um... Yeah, there's a few Wired magazines here on uh, the Internet Archive, and I remember one of their great features was Jargon Watch, where you could, uh, new terms that were cropping up in the in the 90s there. So we're going to look at January, February, and March of 94. So The January issue has microservice on the cover. Douglas Copeland, I guess that's him on the cover. I read that book. That was a good book. And then... February is advertising finally dead, including the Pillsbury Doughboy on a you know, sort of like what's that thing where they're going to shoot you to execute you? The firing lineup. What was? Isn't there a certain name for that? Anyway, and then uh, March has Laurie Anderson, and there's they have the rest of '94. We're just going to do the first three months for now. See how this goes. Jargon watch. So here we go. From um, wait a minute, I'm looking for January. Here it is. Jar- jargon watch for January, 1994. Sorry, I'm zooming in. Bit spit. Any form of digital correspondence, text, bitmapped images, fax transmissions, or the act of sending same. Did you bitspit spit that file to Jane yet? So I don't think that caught on. I, I'm going to bit spit is sending information. Nope, that didn't catch on. Market Leninism. Replacing Marxist Leninism as the new governing style of China combines the iron fist political rule of Leninism with the wide-opening economic permissiveness of free market capitalism. Think Singapore. Hmm. Market Leninism. Met Ed. Hip-hop slang for getting fucked over, dissed, screwed, and ripped off. I met Ed because E.D. is at the end of each word. Yo, man, I met Ed. I don't know how far that phrase went. This is the jargon of the day. Mouse potato. The online and interactive TV generations answered a couch potato. Oh, man, he's a real mouse potato. Yeah, that didn't really catch on. Interactive TV. Yeah, there's a lot of articles about interactive TV here. Yeah. I don't know. That's just the Internet. Yeah. 94 is about the beginning of the Internet for most people at home. How about a paste bomb? A random or non sequitorial piece of data that is cut from one's hard drive and pasted into an online conversation. Meant to entertain, infuriate, and befuddle online conversants, sci- sci-fi author and net spider Bruce Sterling is a notorious paste bomber. Hmm. Oh, just cutting and pasting text from your hard drive to a chat room? A paste bomb? No. Dr. Strangelove Ocean. Ecology slang for an ocean where pollution has killed all the life forms near the water's surface, making it like a nuked wasteland. A Love Ocean. Wow. I never heard of these terms. Though I must have read this when I first got this issue, which because I, I said I got every single issue of this magazine. A synthespian. Synthetic actor used in 3D computer animation to describe sophisticated human forms that can be imported into a virtual world, like Chonky Cat. Wow. Also, electronic puppets, dolls, or vectors, like virtual actors. I wonder if Chonky Cat will ever see the light of day. I don't know. At least I saw some Chonky Cat myself before they, they nuked it off the Internet. Right, here we go. February, and we have our Jargon Watch. Blob binary large object used to describe very large binary files the speed of your server is a function of the size and number of blobs you'll be moving through the network no no dawn patrol programmers who are still at their terminals when you return to work the next morning wow they pulled an all-nighter they're the dawn patrol ditto heads I remember this one people who are in perfect alignment on an issue an idea Or our belief system Allegedly coined by Rush Limbaugh To refer to his legion of faithful followers I remember Hello ditto heads Welcome to the top of the EIB building ditto heads I I did enjoy Rush Limbaugh back in this time period Firefight Because everyone agreed with him They were saying they were ditto heads Firefighters Net users who try to put out flame wars Earlier in their gestation Going Postal. Wow, this was early in that term's life, huh? Euphemism for being totally stressed out, losing it. Makes reference to the unfortunate number of postal employees who have snapped and gone on mass shooting rampages. Wow, this is back when... So going postal was kind of a new term back in February 1994, huh? And of course, the the series of games called Postal, and then, quite curiously, uh, my favorite pinball collection is uh Zacharia Pinball and they recently licensed the Postal series to make pinball machines out of it which was quite puzzling and they're not terrible one of them takes place in a mall Holy wars perpetual BBS discussions that never die the arguments never change and no one's opinions ever budge one iota gee sound familiar Holy wars are fought over abortion gun control sound familiar Mac versus IBM and eh, not, not as much anymore <laughs> windows versus dos and how much nudity to allow in the image areas of online services gee something's never change slag to bring a network especially a lan to its knees by overloading it with data traffic we slagged the net last night by playing specter while the mis department was trying to re-index the accounting file i used to play specter on the, the local area network the lan at work we did Spectre was a cool game, man. It was almost like Battlezone. It was like a, a tank game. And uh, let me see if you can find a thing about Spectre. We used to play it. We used to network our computers at work and play Spectre. Okay, Spectre game. 1991 video game. hmm, hmm. Gameplay. Let's see, 91. Yeah, it's it's like vector tanks. Let's see if we can. Uh... <coughs> let's see. All right. Let's see. Level one. <laughs> I kind of remember this game. Demo mode. Yeah, it's just like you're on this sort of infinite plane. <laughs> well, maybe it's not. It's, it's it's not completely vector. It has those kind of elements. Wow, what a game, Spectre. It's all coming back to me now. Let's see. Just a demo mode. But yeah, you can play it on the LAN, the LAN. That was good stuff. Anyway, see, uh, it's relevant to me and my memories. SOHO, acronym for Small Office Home Office. Ziff Davis recently started inserting a PC supplement into Sunday newspapers targeting the SOHO market. Small office or home office? Whatever. Thrashing. Clicking helter-skelter around an interactive computer screen in search of hidden buttons that might trigger actions. Found in the manual to the CD-ROM game Mist. Wow. Thrashing. Some of these, most of these terms never caught on. I mean, postal took off. I don't know if post going postal is still... I mean, I know what it means. I don't know if younger people would know what it means. Anyway, finally, we have March. Dead-end users, DEUs, a derogatory play on end-users used by some technical support people to refer to the clueless masses who call with painfully obvious tech questions. Dead-end users, wow. So end-users is the true term, but dead-end users, wow. Is is that uh, related to pebcac? Problem exists between keyboard and Chair. Yeah. <laughs> problem exists. Pebcack. Problem exists between keyboard and chair as as in the user. Feeb. From feeble. An incompetent. I'm a total feeb when it comes to public speaking. Wow, that, that didn't catch on. That's pretty good, though. I'm a feeb. I'm a total feeb. I suck at that. Identity hacking. Posting anonymously Sudo. Pseudonaut. Pseudo, pseudo, Pseudonym but pseudonymous. Pseud- pseudonymous. That's a tough word. Pseudonym pseudonymously, or by giving completely false name, address, phone with the intent to deceive. Identity hacking. All right. Infobon. Term being bandied about Capitol Hill as a faster and more global sounding replacement for the cumbersome information superhighway. I remember that term, Infobon, a bit. Interrupt driven. Used to describe someone who moves through a workday responding to a series of interruptions rather than the work goals originally set. Gee, I think I'm completely inter- interrupt-driven. That's all there is, interruptions. Magalog. Yes, a mail-order catalog disguised as a magazine in the hope of sucking in its recipients. Hey, wait, this international mail magazine is one of those stinking magalogs, and in fact, I worked for a magalog, uh, mtv To go And I was in some of their internal meetings. They called it a Magalog. That would have been 89-ish, 88, 89-ish. So they were using that term many years before this. Sorry, who's the guy that writes this? Gareth Branwyn. You're a little late to to the party with Magalog. And I don't think Magalog kept going along after that. But I, see, some of these are relevant to me. I, I was a 90s guy. Come on. I was 90s Frank back then, you know. Morph. Morph? Question mark? Morph? An acronym for male or female posed as a question in the people connection rooms of America Online as conversants try to determine the sex of other occupants. Sandy, morph, replies often include age and geographical location. F, 24 Cleveland, AS, ASL was the, the slang I remember. A you want, you want your age, sex, location to get an idea of what, what this person is all about. And finally, we have single systemitis, used to describe people who use only one computer system, refusing to learn or even acknowledge the worth of any others. There you go. Gareth Branwyn's great jargon watch. I don't know how long... I mean, I do have the latest issue of Wired, which, as I mentioned last time, I'm getting against my will <coughs> because they, they canceled the print version, I think, of People or... No, Entertainment Weekly, not People. Entertainment Weekly. I said People last time. So then they started sending us Wired again. Yeah, but I like this. I I like the idea that you could live in this world of 1994 and there's all this new jargon. Everything is new. New, new, new. I remember one of those. One that just sticks out in my mind randomly is yuppie food coupons. I have no idea when it was from, but um, $20 bills at one point were considered yuppie food coupons because a bunch of young uh, yuppies, young urban professionals go out to eat and they just all toss $20 bills in the middle of the table yuppie food coupons. Anyway, what do we got here? I think I'm going to have to listen to some more uh, cave here. Nice. So how old was I at this time period? I was like in my mid-twenties at the 93, 94. So young. I've my whole life ahead of me. Well, I still do. I have the rest of my life ahead of me. (laughs) I'm in my mid-50s now. Oh, isn't that depressing to say? Instead of being in my mid-20s. What happened? Oh, I reset it by accident. Anyway. That, I'd like to say thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. It is much appreciated. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora. We're here in the Onsug, a radio station inside a book. As I mentioned, I'm working on the next rendition of the book, the next edition of the book. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm kind of feeling my way forwards, adding new aspects to it um, that I hadn't expected to add. But, you know, they're all, as I mentioned, the ideas that have been floating around for a long time. I guess, ultimately, I want to figure out how can, uh, without going too far into a process, how can we um, provide some tools for the listeners of this incredible collection, Uh, how to approach listening into such a massive collection over a year and a half of audio. Yes, a year and a half. That is, uh, you start playing it January 1st of one year, and if you let it keep going, all the shows, one after the other, it will not finish until... June 30th of the following year, and that's how much audio we have right now. We keep adding more. It's all great stuff. We have a really unique style. We're not part of—even though I was part of the podcasting world in the first few years, we've kind of drifted into our own space, as you can tell, with this kind of style. We uh, you know, stopped with all this money stuff. We were a completely non-commercial project. It makes things so much easier. Yes, you don't make any money, but then you don't have any of the headaches and hassles that m- comes along with money, you know? So that they say, keep your day job, kid, you know? Uh, no, it does It does make things a heck of a lot easier without having to worry about money. And I just really find um, all of the, uh, the things that come along with having to make money, like all of the ads, sponsorships. Patreon announcements and whatever else. Listen, that that works for a lot of people. But that, that's not the direction that OnSug has gone in, and I'm so glad that it hasn't gone in that direction. We have something completely unique. I mean, as there's as, millions of podcasts out there, there's nothing like the OnSug. Anyway, just go to OnSug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com, to hear all the latest shows. You can participate in a show called Overnight to Keep Central. Please do. This week's topic was... Uh, um, elegance. Tough topic, but I tackled it. Check out my, my, uh, my rendition or my uh, talk on elegance. I think I really dug into that topic. It's a difficult topic. Ele- elegance or elegant. It's a word that you know what it means, but it's very hard to figure out how to define it. And I get into all of that. But you're invited also to participate in Overnight Escape Central, hosted by PQ River, out in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. We'd love to hear from you. And we're, our focus is on preservation of this archive and have people listen in the near and far future. And that's why, as I said, I'm trying to figure out ways to uh, make it easier to listen, breaking up the list. Of the main list, right, is by show. So this show, The Overnightscape, has its own section. And in the current book that you can buy, just go to onslaught.com, click on the book, It's priced so low that I do not make a single penny off the sales. It's print-on-demand, and that was on purpose. It's not meant to be a commercial project. Um, These long lists of shows, I have in the current edition. Now I'm breaking them up. For example, my show by month. So there's usually around eight shows per month. So you'll see something like, like November 2022, and you'll see all the shows I did in November 2022 in the list, right? and it just makes it easier to conceive of and think of and then i i'm still early days but i'm going to add a certain phrase or concept to the super listening portion of that again stay tuned for that one cuz that's i'm a bit you know this is still a bit early days in that regard but and again that's pretty much as far as i'm going to go in terms of structuring it just giving a few directions or tools for listening um and, of course, we're we're looking forward to you know more advanced technologies allowing us to make listening easier, the AI systems, etc. And, of course, the ultimate goal is for all of the audio to be inside the book, right? Which I would love to... I mean, I know it can be done today, but it's not an off-the-shelf solution. You need to incorporate storage chips and uh, some sort of playing mechanism into the book itself. I know it, it could be done today, but... I'm hoping in the future it is an artifact, the book itself that has all the audio in it on a chip and it has a microphone uh, sorry it has a speaker you can play. And then as a virtual reality object it would similarly contain all the audio. Which right now we need a mm, around a terabyte to store all the audio, but you know, this price of storage keeps going down, right? Right? Why hasn't a terabyte gotten any cheaper? It's been a terab- little terabyte, like, pocket hard drive has been 50 bucks for the longest time. And uh, l- l- let me look right now. A terabyte uh, flash drive has been, like, $250. let us see if there's been any movement in that. Yes, you'll see listings for cheaper, but they're fake. 1TB. I keep, this is something, this is a rule of thumb I've been depending on. It has not, it has not come through. The one terabyte flash drive. right legitimate ones legit okay they're coming down they're coming down look at this one one thirty they're in the one thirties now one thirties yeah yeah all right so it is coming down it was like 250 now it's like one thirty okay no that's actually pretty good that that's not bad the fake ones yeah they're not real (laughs) for like ten bucks yeah Wow, Buffalo external SSD, 10 ter- one terabyte, eighty four ninety nine. Wait a minute. The plot thickens. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right, I'll have to look into this. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, this show is one of thousands of episodes on there. And uh, if you enjoyed this, hopefully you'll enjoy everything else. <clears throat> so much history, so much stuff going on. It's mind-boggling. I mean, I know I've been at the heart of this project for almost 20 years now, and it amazes even me. I'm like, what the heck? I- I'm involved in this? This is amazing. <laughs> Great. I'm so happy to be able to, uh, to do this show and hopefully provide some entertainment information, insight, and, uh, you know, I also think it's sort of like audio companionship, you know? Like, we're, we're your radio pals, you know? You can just turn us on. And hear hear what we have to say anytime. We'll always be there for you here in the Onsug. That's O N S U G Onsug, ONSUG Overt Nightscape Underground is what it stands for. Check it out. Get involved. Help us out. You know, at any point in the future, if you're help uh, maintain this and preserve it, because who knows? I mean, as the centuries and millennia grind on, I'm sure this could could get lost in the shuffle and then then found again. Someone finds a copy of the book with a all the files inside, and you can then duplicate it and copy it in your time period, the year 9,000. You know, it could be like a, a rediscovery of the onsug in 9,000, and then it falls into obscurity again, and then in thir- the year 13,000, it comes back. You know what I'm saying. You can help with that. <coughs> and I'm sure, you know, you're as you're hearing this, as time wears on, I'm sure people won't be speaking the same English I'm speaking right now, but I'm sure that with certain AI programs, the translations will be very, very accurate into whatever language you're currently using. Whatever pidgin English you're using in the year 9000, okay? <coughs> well, is that sort of like we had old English? Like ye old shop and things like that within this sh- shop, S-H-O-P-P-E. So do you look at our, like, like do you st- if you hear the way I'm talking, do? You, am I talking like in an old-fashioned way? I'm sure, because you're from the future. Anyway, everything old-fashioned is new again. Let's flip to a random page here in this book about comic books. This is not predetermined. We're going to just look at a random comic book. Here it is. The Buccaneers, Dan Tempest, a captain of a pirate crew, as they sail into seas unknown, known as the Other Side.
3: when I've had her with the kids!
4: Jordash Basics.
5: You never see the kids! You're never home!
3: No! The kids are never home! You let them wander the streets all night!
5: They leave to get away from you! You're on them all the time!
6: I don't want to talk about it anymore!
1: out of here. I am not going back. Yeah.
4: Jodash Basics.
1: know where you're going. Does it really matter? Well, it matters to us. What about your cute little brother? I mean, aren't you going to miss him? I bet she'll miss her gorgeous math teacher. I don't care. Lisa, are you sure about this? No. out of here. I am not going back. You know where you're going? Does it really matter? Well, it matters to us. Lisa, are you sure about this? No.
4: Jordash bases.
7: Did you ever see your parents naked?
4: Jordash bases.
1: <laughs> I did, but it wasn't all that bad. can't even think about mine.
3: It's like they hit a certain age, and bam, their skin doesn't fit anymore.
5: My parents have never been really
8: nude.
1: Well, how do you think you got here? I don't know. I always thought I just... <clears throat>
8: <laughs> Tell me you just didn't say that.
1: I hate my mother. She's so much prettier than me.
4: Jordash, Basics. Your mother?
1: Have you ever seen her mother?
4: I have. I'm hoping she'll be divorced before I'm out of school.
1: I found an old picture of her from when she was my age. Was she hot? No. (laughs) She was kind of short with freckles and a little bit overweight. Kind of like you? Exactly like me.
4: Your mother is the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. Jordash Basics. Except for you, of course. <laughs> and then there's this one girl in history uh, and this girl in algebra, too. See so... you.
1: I hate my mother. She's so... I hate this commercial.
4: Jordash Basics.
1: I love this commercial. Have you ever seen her mother? I've watched it a oh, thousand yeah. times. I found an old picture of her from when she was my age. Was she hot? No. That's disgusting. you kind of short. You're not watching breakfast this breakfast trash in my house. I hate my mother. You lied. I can't believe you do this to me.
4: Jordash Basics. Stop it.
8: It doesn't matter.
1: Oh, right. And I bet I don't matter either. Nothing happened. Everything happened! We're breaking up, aren't we? I'll do this. It's over.
3: Fine.
9: Hi.
4: Look, I know something's bothering you. Jordash basics. I'm not gonna let you go until you tell me what it is.
1: I'm sorry. I just don't want us to be friends anymore.
4: Jordash Basics. So what? Did we look the other way when we passed in the hall? Is that it?
1: Well, I was thinking of something a little bit more drastic.
8: Oh, great. Like, maybe you want me to move to another state. No! Or just another
3: part of this map. I don't get it. I thought you do want to be my friend.
1: I don't. I told him exactly how I feel, and it was the hardest thing I ever did.
4: Jordash Basics.
1: And definitely the best. What if he tries to kiss me?
4: Jordash.
3: All right, Dating 101. Choose a horror flick, because if he tries anything now you can scream. When he tries it in his car.
1: He doesn't have a car.
3: Good thing. <laughs>
8: But when he walks you to the door and makes his move.
1: Give him the old knuckle sandwich.
8: (laughs) Have a heart, will ya?
1: Jordash. If he really loved her, she never would have left.
3: Jordash. He loved her.
1: No, he never loved her.
3: He's always loved her, he just. Didn't know how to say it.
1: Then how is she supposed to know? I read the book. Page 498. He never loved her.
8: Jordash. My parents are breaking up and there's nothing I can do about it.
4: Jordash, basics.
8: Hey man, it happens. Yeah, but it's not supposed to happen. So they must be real unhappy, right? Yeah, they never talk, except when they yell. And even then, they don't look at each other. So maybe they should split. Are you crazy? I don't want them to be alone. You really think they're gonna be alone? No, they'll always have me.
10: You know, after today, we're never gonna be the same again.
4: Jordash Basics.
1: It's not the end of the world. I'm only going to college.
4: Oh,
10: come on. We both know what's gonna happen. You're gonna change.
1: Look, you could go too. It's not like
5: you don't have the grades. Oh, oh
10: sure. Four more years of school, right? Well, no, thanks.
5: I really hope you realize what you're doing. I hope you do. Would you ever post for new pictures?
4: George Ash. Basics.
5: Sure, it's no big deal.
1: So we've heard. <laughs>
4: no! Jordash Basics.
7: What happened to him? He's been he's hurt. hurt. Yes. Well, he's probably. He's get him up. No! We have to get help. I don't think we should move him.
4: Leave him down.
7: We just yeah, saw leave him. Quick, give me your jacket. Hurry, hurry. Mike, wake up. Wake, wake it
1: up. up. Do something. What do, do? he's an old man. Somebody. Are we too late? Is he gonna be all right? I think I want to have a baby.
4: What? Jordash Basics.
1: When I'm old, real old, like thirty.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: it's never too late to make it better. Yeah. Jordash. Basics. It's a matter of choice,
3: choose your own way, your dash basics in your mama's blue jeans.
5: When I was little, my ears stuck out really bad. Jordash, Basics.
1: Your ears?
5: Yes. yes, my ears.
1: So, what'd you do?
5: First, I tried gluing them back, but the glue would dry and my ears would pop out. So then I tried these rubber bands, but they cut off my circulation. So finally, I just decided if it's good enough for Gable, it's good enough for me.
1: You mean Marty Gable? You are so naive. He means the old movie star, Betty
8: My parents are always on
10: my case about something.
4: Jordash, basics. And
10: you know, I'm like, when I was your age, I had goals and direction. I knew exactly where I was headed. My mom goes,
8: I never would have stayed out all night and worried my parents.
3: In my day, shiny boy, you went to school for an education.
1: I always get. Them. When I was your age, we show respect for our elders. Do you think they were ever our age? Get
8: rid go. When my dad got remarried, he made me give a speech.
4: Jordash Basics.
8: So I said, Dad, does this mean you and Mom aren't getting back together again? What? <laughs> Just kidding.
1: Ever walk into your parents' room and it looks like a tornado hit?
4: Jordash Basics.
1: Then they come into your room and find one stray sack and pow, it's a major crime. My dad says when we're in my room, we have to keep the door open.
4: Jordash. Basics.
1: I'm not going to do anything different if the door's not open.
4: <laughs> Man, there's people starving on this planet, and you're
8: pigging out.
4: Jordash basics. sound like my mother.
5: There are people starving in Africa.
4: Hey, look, it's not just Africa. It's your
5: shake and two chocolate pies.
4: This, Excuse me, This people starving right here. Here? Yeah. Give me a break. Hey, look, the problem is there's too many people and not enough food. Alright, how can you do anything about it? How can you not?
1: When my mother married my stepfather, she really messed me up.
4: Jordash, Basics
1: Really? Is he mean? No, he's gorgeous. Right in front of Darren, my mom says, Will there be any adult supervision? So dumb.
4: Jordash Basics.
5: Yeah, who'd have a party with adult supervision?
4: The
8: most embarrassing thing you run into this gorgeous chick in the mall. Jordash Basics. And <laughs> you're with your mother, right? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we're stuck here for the night.
4: Jordash Basics.
7: Jordash Basics. Yes! Now!
5: Do it,
1: Jordash. I just found out I was a synthetic baby. What? Huh? A synthetic baby?
4: Jordash Basics.
1: They brought me home from the hospital in a polyester blanket. Polyester's sorta like toxic.
3: Only if you wear it around living things.
1: Didn't your parents know about natural
7: stuff? I guess so. They have six kids. (laughs)
5: erasing wrinkly panty lines forever. All that's
7: left is you.
6: Although most professional wrestlers are solid citizens, in the hands of their publicity men, they become the most colorful group of characters in the world and possibly the universe. For example... A frustrated ballet dancer takes on a refugee from the animal world. That's the only way to describe a meeting of the gay, light-footed Ricky Starr and the Zebra Kid. Ricky's wearing a pair of crazy pink shoes, and watch those twinkling toes and the hula hips. a drawing card second only to Argentina raca spies an especially ardent admirer. And he tiptoes out of the ring to present personally one of the slippers that gave him a bad case of sore feet in his last engagement. He asked to be excused by his worthy adversary, but after all, what could a zebra say anyway? The show is underway. The stars are out tonight. Ricky twinkles around his dazzled opponent with all the innocence and soft qualities of a wounded bluebird in nervous flight. The ends his number with a light leap and a coquettish pose at a safe distance from the kid, only to sneak up slyly on his unwary rival. Ricky manfully fights his way free from the clutches of the masked one and then switches his hips in a manner that would make the queen of the hop green with envy. See, kid is having little luck with the sylph like Ricky. Star leaps over the kid as if he were just an oversized fire hydrant and pitches him a knuckleball. Star pounds the kid with a furious barrage of passionate slaps. Starr goes into a joyous war dance before finally putting a straight man on the mat for good. Ricky goes into a crazy tailspin as he stays on for an encore after the match is over. It's a good night for Ricky Starr and Cast as they successfully stage another bloody battle in the savage circle of Ported thespians. Good morning, friends. This is Horace Batchelor at the microphone, the inventor of the famous InfoDraw method for the trouble chance. I have myself, with my own coupon entries, won 1,012 First Trouble Chance Top Dividends, and my ingenious method can help you to win also. Don't send any money, just your name and address. Send now to Horace Batchelor, Department 1... Kensham, spelled K E Y N S H A M, Kensham, Bristol.
10: (laughs) Do you think I'm going to stay and be arrested? Not, not, Not likely.
3: And markers in the ferromagnetic, do will serve an edible. Audio to ya saves the milk and cookies for Santa or Krampus. Self-addressed and stamped us into any noggin with the should of a dog Mics will make a bargain out of any Kenny logged in. Hoggin' like a boss is the Bruce of JB and Mona's flash from the cast it's teas Powder. If your mom controls the sugar, so on to the power Step with no OB, press the turbo You're this beast barbers, this, this one's was out of control. control So if you really don't know, forget the acting career It's hot C&C dog, right now, right here With the hook of the year, to make you pound back the beer Reminisce get pissed and laugh till you tear. Cassette tape bandits did it and we don't stop Yes, we did it again tape bandits never gonna quit with mice Good set tape bandits running off with hip-hop just like gingerbread man. If you can't stand it, you better get up off your ass, catch us if you can. Word. Yo. Are you gonna catch what you can't even see it's the C-T-B part two, not nah, three, I-B-C-D to the O to the C with the one P-O-T slash E on the M-I-C, Checking, I reckon that you're checking this, wrecking mics until there's nothing left and we're still not finished cause the song ain't over, I'ma show the crowd the way the bandits rock your head and shoulders told ya, I'ma go for closure been my money full is fool, potsy got the sauce to help me get across the golden rules stay cool, maybe play pool just to chill out i killed out so money like a hundred dollar bills out It's sitting on the table to turn with the record labels we shorted out all the cables until the system's disabled it's fatal for all the vacuum seeds that want to try to follow and i biting and choking because it's too hard to swallow ctb cassette tape bandits did it and we don't stop yes we did it again Cassette tape bandits never gonna quit with mice we're tight in the hand. Cassette. Running off with hip hop just like Gingerbread Man If you can't stand it, you better get up off your ass Catch us when you can Cassette tape bandits did it and we don't stop, yes we did it again Cassette tape bandits never gonna quit with my script tight in my hand Cassette tape bandits running off with hip hop just like Gingerbread Man If you can't stand it, you better get up off your ass Catch us Hey!
2: Taste says smoke light, smoke light, and your inner voice echoes smoke light, smoke light. Maybe it is time to switch to a lighter tasting, more desirable cigarette. Spring, spring, most desirable cigarette for you to smoke. Desirable, longer filter. Compare, extra filter length for spring's lighter taste. Desirable, lighter tobaccos, of every six tobacco leaves, only one is light enough for spring. Lightest menthol, too. Desirable. Yes. Spring is created to let you smoke light. Lighter taste proves spring. Most desirable cigarette for you to smoke.
10: i better not say a word. When you're all curled up like that, I know, you love me. But if I interrupt you before you finish that chapter, you'll scream. So I'll wait, and then I'll ask you to sew the button on my coat. And then you'll say, wait till I finish this cigarette. What is it about those spring cigarettes anyway? Is the taste that special? I mean, you always act like smoking them is is spring's tobacco really so rich so right for menthol the menthol you told me about that natural menthol hmm you know you were right when you said spring is how a menthol cigarette ought to taste and i'm going to tell you so as soon as i finish this spring cigarette
5: Mmm, I love to see you so comfortable. I mean, it's relaxing just to look at you. You with your Sunday afternoon face on. Nice. Only I know you. It could start snowing now and you wouldn't move a muscle. And if I were to ask you all sweet and pretty please to start the barbecue, well, you'd just kind of stretch and say, hmm, as soon as I finish this cigarette. What is it about those spring cigarettes anyway? Is the taste that special? I mean, you always act like smoking them is. Is spring's tobacco really so rich? So right for menthol? The menthol, you told me about that. Light, huh? You know? You were right when you said spring is how a menthol cigarette ought to taste. And I'm going to tell you so. As Soon as I finish this spring cigarette...
2: Spring Filter Cigarette, the new kind of cigarette which air-conditions the smoke for the lightest, cleanest, coolest taste possible today. Spring! Look, an amazing electronic process creates hundreds of microscopic openings in the paper of each spring filter cigarette. Through these openings, clean, fresh air flows into the tobacco and air-conditions the smoke as it passes through, so you get the lightest, cleanest, coolest taste possible in smoking today. Suddenly, it's spring, and everywhere you look, happy smokers are enjoying a new kind of filter cigarette. Spring filter cigarette, the cigarette which air conditions the smoke in the smart white king-size pack with blue and green stripes at popular price. Spring filter cigarette.
5: Just a wisp of menthol for soothing taste.